Welcome to the How Coronavirus Saved My Life podcast. My name is Christine. I'm a mental health nurse practitioner who got coronavirus in April of 2020 and had long COVID symptoms for months. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting better until I healed myself through unwinding my childhood conditioning. This is my story on how coronavirus saved my life and how I healed myself along with others sharing their own personal stories and how they are navigating through their own healing. Well, how did you get into spiritual? Like, why is it important for you like to present this presentation about integrating this and in? like, why is it important for spirituality to be assessed, brought up in healthcare? Why is that important to integrate that in healthcare? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think because one, it's just so central to all of healthcare, you know, and and for us to really, really understand it, it's just a major, major component of that. We can't we can't divorce ourselves from that. Uh, you know, you just look at some of the some of the research out there and how so many people when they're when they're going through difficult times, there's such an openness for for prayer and and just you know my wife and I volunteer through a hospice group, and so these are people that are not expected to live more than a few months, you know, and uh, uh, not all of them have grown up in church and known the traditional route of of spirituality and everything, but it, it's amazing. I'm not volunteering as a minister. We're just simply uh, volunteering just to, to be there and to be a friend and everything. And I don't go in and say that I'm a counselor or I'm an ordained minister or anything like that. You know, I just, I just connect, but invariably it's amazing how spirituality will, will come up with them. Um, you know, like when uh, Katrina happened years back um, and 9-11, the percentage of people that said they turned to, to prayer was just was just staggering. Uh, you know, in the healthcare field, uh, it's a, a high percentage of people, sometimes based on different um surveys and everything sometimes 80 90 percent of the people surveyed uh will talk about having uh spiritual needs when they're going through major major crisis um but not not only that there is that need but also research showing where there's great uh benefits for uh incorporating spirituality into their into their into their treatment uh, they they do better with mental health issues uh, they cope better with various kinds of uh, illnesses uh, and those that have severe and persistent mental health disorders uh, they cope better and have fewer exasperations of of uh, hospitalization and so you know we we talked about how that, that spir- uh, spirituality is more on that experiential kind of side. 
but it's amazing how much research has been done related to incorporating spirituality into healthcare professions. And uh, so it's, it's just pretty, pretty amazing when you, when you follow that trail of, of research and see what's happening out there. Yeah, I was actually super surprised by that, that how much research there has been on spirituality and healthcare yeah. and the benefits and mental health recovery and chronic illness. I was very surprised by that. Um, um, I don't know why. I just, I guess because it's never, it's not something that was like ingrained in, in school. Like we were like one of our part of our classes, we have to do philosophy, like take a philosophy class, you know? and things like that. And it does, they do talk about holistic care, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but I don't know. I just feel like it was maybe just a micro part of my education. Um, right. and you talked about nine 11, um, nine 11 is actually when I had been, I was on a no and I don't know what I was doing. I was lost in the world. Mm -hmm. And I remember, when 9-11 happened, I was actually had been drinking heavily the night before and it was like eight in the morning and I woke, I was on the couch, you know, sleeping it off and the news came on. And so, you know, it was actually a really beautiful day. It was so interesting how like disasters can happen on like the prettiest days, you know, I find that ironic in itself, but you know, I was sitting up and like watching the news and I remember just watching this go on and I was like, Christine, you've got to help humanity. It that disaster 9-11, it took me out of my own whatever suffering that I was was going on with me. And I was like, I need, I need to help humanity. How can I help humanity? And that's when I decided to go into nursing, you know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So well, you know, organizations like the American Association of Medical Colleges and numerous other associations like that. Uh, really talk about uh, the need of integrating spirituality into care and, and, and actually supporting uh, students having courses. Uh, the World Health Organization defines spiritual care as a pillar of palliative care. And so, you know, it, the research and what these organizations were saying, but then when you get down to it, uh, when I do these uh, presentations, I will actually just kind of do a survey. How many of you had at least one course in spirituality when you were in school? I would say the average number of hands go up in those would be 20% max, probably, if that many. And, and it's important, but at the same time, uh, surveys show that only about 50% of medical doctors have ever done spirituality assessment. And when you look at the, the standards for social workers, medical doctors, counselors, et cetera, et cetera, uh, their ethical standards say that they should incorporate spirituality. But, you know, I worked, I worked in the field uh, and I was, I was given it, it was sort of like everyone, this was a state-owned and operated uh, facility. And it was like everyone uh, handed that role to me to, mm. to focus on the, the spirituality Interesting. Part. And, and even though, you know, the other staff would be uh, Christian or they would 
uh, you know, practice meditation. We had a lot of Native Americans here in Oklahoma. So some of them uh, had that background, Native American spirituality. But it was like they didn't know how to incorporate that spirituality into the care of the patients that we had in that residential facility. And because, one, they had had no training. Yeah. How to do that, you know? Yeah. And that's... Um, that's very important. I'm big on uh, focusing on that and helping people understand how to do spirituality assessments. Um, you know, because it's it's so it's so key. And right. I think even doing a spirituality assessment with someone uh, instead of I think I think too many times doing an assessment is just a collection of information. Correct. And that's the sole purpose of it. Let's get it done. Let's get yep. it documented. Yep. And you're let's, out of here. Let's check this box off. But I had the unique opportunity to, I was the uh, director of admissions and assessment at this facility. And so uh, I did most all of the assessments. It was a 48-bed facility. And I could spend as much time as I wanted to uh, doing the assessment. So I would spend three to five hours with each lady doing the assessment. And so it really becomes more like a counseling session, doesn't it? Mm. And and so, you know, in assessments were to uh, listen for a person's strengths and their weaknesses and those kinds of things. Well, sometimes in that spirituality assessment, uh, you know, maybe they were reacting against uh, some uh, aspect of organized religion, or maybe their parents uh, claimed to be uh, faithful people, but they were the abusers, whatever. So they were having a reaction. But then in that spirituality uh, assessment part, they would get in touch with the deep inner mm -hmm. qualities of their spirituality and not just, no, I'm not involved in organized religion. Uh, you know, so I would use a lot of open-ended questions and all of a sudden, quite often, they would they would get in touch with an aspect of their spirituality that would then become uh, a strength for them. And so, uh, you know, I would actually in doing treatment plans, um, they would have problem statements and goal statements and objectives on their treatment plan related to to spirituality yeah i love that i love that it's it's like a journey in into finding what they're not and what they are you know sometimes people it's easier for people to say i am not this this is not who i am you know but i am this you know i i love yeah. that one thing that you talked about it was it's important for providers healthcare workers to assess their own spirituality first why why is that yeah well, I we we all, if we're not careful, we can care biases. And and so I've worked around people that, you know, they they thought they were culturally sensitive. Um, they thought that they could leave their stuff at home and not bring it to the counseling office, but but it but it comes out in in various ways. And and so I, th I think that it's important for each person 
to to understand uh, their own particular views about spirituality. And, uh, you know, it's almost like it's almost like they need to spend some time with someone uh, helping them assess their spirituality and, and 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 even coming to a place where they they see that as a as a strength mm-hmm. um, but it but at the same time uh it will help them not bring certain biases in into uh the care of the patients that they're working with uh, i could i could illustrate many times over i'm thinking of a particular counselor right now that uh had such a an anti-spirituality bias that she didn't have to say one word. She could just walk into a room and everybody could catch it. Mm. And so one of the things that she was doing is, is uh, alienating. uh, It it would sort of be like if uh, one of her clients was meeting with her one-on-one uh, that person would not bring up anything related to spirituality, even though it may be one of her major strengths. She mm-hmm. wouldn't bring it up with a counselor. So I, th- I think I think we have to do that. I think we have to uh, do our own spirituality assessment sometimes because uh, we need to be able to to help people. Uh, you, you know, like I guess we're talking about with with me about that uh, that demeanor that I carry. Um, if if I'm still fighting against the religion of my dad and everything, uh, then if I try to bring spirituality up, it's just going to have an air of angst to it, you know, uh, and then that's going to to inter- interfere with the people that we're we're working with. So, you know, we we have to understand that that spirituality uh often shapes the clients that we work with. And it's it's very important to them. But to understand also it, it shapes our lives and, and it can have immense power in our lives. I I probably have been more open to to disclose with clients, uh, patients than than a lot of professionals are. Uh, I, I I know how to do that. It's not like I'm getting something out of it, uh, but it but it is a it is a is it's a dialogue going on when we're meeting with patients and clients that we we serve, you know, and uh, and so I don't mind sharing some of my story. Uh, in fact, what I've experienced a lot of times, you know, I used to do, I love doing groups. So in that 48-bed facility, uh, I would do several groups uh, each week with 24 ladies and sometimes all 48 of them. And it was not uncommon for me to hear one of them ask me, well, Jack, what do you believe? Mm. Now, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, not say anything. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I felt very comfortable doing, uh, being able to say from my spiritual perspective, this is what I believe. 
and there would be there would be an openness there. But you know, I also realized that I need to be in touch with my own uh, understanding of spirituality, uh, so that I can be sensitive and not kind of shove that toward the people that I'm I'm working with, uh, lending lending that come through in such a way where let's say you know I'm I'm a Christian minister. Uh, but if there's someone uh, that comes from a, a Hindu tradition, if if I'm not careful, I will I could push my form of spirituality in there in such a way, maybe not overtly, but in an indirect way, to the point where this person shuts theirs down, or or gets the impression that I'm lifting mine up above theirs. In, in meaning and in, in value. So just 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 a number of reasons why uh, counselors need it. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of a lot of schools will, you know, in, in psychological studies, uh, a lot of times students will have to have their own individual counselor, just kind of get get in touch with with their issues and work through those issues. Uh, I see a lot of counselors that have, have not done that and they they bring their stuff and they have difficulty working with uh, clients. You know, we had a counselor that came out of a very abusive relationship with her with her father and and she didn't understand how uh, she was having a, such a difficult time working with women who had had abusive fathers mm. and, and she became so sick that we had to end up terminating her mm. because she wow. hadn't done her own, own work there. Her, her so, assessment. Yeah. So if we've not done ours related to spirituality, yeah. then, then it can create all kinds of problems out here with people right. who work with. Right. I love that because it's, it's like, you know, you, the word experience again, back to that word experience. So it's like assessing your own spirituality first, like the experience of why that's important. Cause I don't, cause again, it's just like you said, words, checking off a box, collecting information. It's just words until you actually experience it by assessing your own spirituality, you know? And I, I, I love that you pointed that out. So, and also to that question, I've had that question before with clients and I always kind of sort of get stumped because I mean, now it's a little different because now I, I just tell people you know, what I think, you know, but before it was like, how do I answer this? Because I, I don't want to lose rapport with a client, you know, by saying, you know, like what I just said, like, I believe God is a verb, not a noun, you know what I mean? And so it's almost like I, I'm thinking about the answer to answer the way they would want me to answer, you know, but people can tell when you're not being authentic. Right. You know, so, yeah. you know, especially my, my clientele at the County hospital, you know, they're, they're BS meters, you know, yeah. BS meters. So, so now I just, just say, you know, this is what it is, but you know, I, I've been stumped before when asked that question, you know, or they'll ask it in this way. Like, I don't know what you believe, but this is what I believe. And they'll say their, whatever their belief is. And I'm just like, oh, you know, that's nice. 
but actually that's an opportunity for me to connect with my clients, you know, for me to say, oh, you know, I agree with this part or this is what I believe, you know? And so, cause it, cause to me, I look at it opportunities for connection, you know, and at the end of the day, we all just want to connect, you know, wow. we're humans are wired for connection, but what happens through in the wound and through childhood, we get rewired for protection. And so trying to get back to that wire of who we are, which is connection, you know? And so I, I love spirituality and assessing yourself. And then with your clients, these are opportunities for connection and finding, like you said, those positive things, you know, and inside yourself and the other person. Well, you know, it's a, it's, it's amazing if someone lands in the emergency room, I was the assistant chaplain at a level two trauma center in Kansas City. So quite, quite often I was right there in the emergency room and I would have blood all over me and I would be helping out and I'd be able to move stuff and get stuff and, and everything. And, um, and, and in the midst of that, it's, it's amazing what happens in the care of people. And so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the patients that we work with, they're in distress. I mean, there's a lot going on in their life, you know, like the women that I work with um, just coming in and, and they've been uh, homeless and, They've just been raped within the last day or so and on and on. And they've lost uh, custody of their children and great distress. You know, why should we just simply take a cool, calm look and say, well, we'll deal with that tomorrow or next week. Some of them are in major crisis and you know i've always worked with what i call the five areas of human development uh, the spiritual the mental the emotional the social and the physical and seeing those all integrated and and related and and if if we're impacted in one of those areas it's going to impact us in all areas so there's that there's that a spiritual aspect of who we are, you know, and sometimes that can be the best strength that a person can bring to the table. And, 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 you know, um, if it's, it's kind of like in an emergency room, here's someone that to survive, uh, they need oxygen. But if the staff puts that oxygen mask on their face, what are they trying to do? They're trying to rip it off their face because they cannot breathe. And so it, it's like sometimes when those folks are, that we serve, when they're, when they're in distress, um, helping them understand some aspect of spirituality that can be meaningful at that very crisis point of their life may be like that staff member putting an oxygen mask on somebody's face. It may make the difference between whether they survive or they don't survive. 
Now that's pushing that analogy a little bit, but isn't the spiritual component of who we are as important as the physical component of who we are? Absolutely, absolutely. Because when I had that pivotal po- a moment in my backyard where I couldn't breathe and my brain, I, you know, had coronavirus and I couldn't breathe and my brain said, you need to call 911 or you're going to die. And then I stopped and my gut said, if you call 911, you're going to die because you're going to believe it. And then I was okay a few minutes later. And then, but I was really hot. And I remember I was just like, I'm so hot. I'm so hot. I'm so hot. And I went and lay down on my lounge. I was in the backyard, lay down on the lounge chair. And I felt, I was just kept saying, I'm so hot. I'm so hot. I need water. I need water. I need water. And I felt water spray on me and I set up and I thought it was my pool vacuum, but it wasn't on. And so I was like, okay, whatever. Lay back down. I'm so hot. I just need water. I just need water. And I felt water again. And I sat up and I looked and there was water, water, drops of water just around my lounge chair. And I was like, what? And then I started feeling water on me and I looked up and there was one little rain cloud above me, huge fat drops of water coming on me with sunbeams coming through the cloud. There was no other cloud in the sky. And absolutely at that moment, I knew something is greater than me something is powerful i don't know what just happened but i thought i was gonna die and now i know i'm gonna be okay and it was the experience it was the physical it was the emotional it was spiritual all of it tied together and yes everything is all tied together if you have one missing thing or one area broken you know all your other areas are going to have issue too. And so it truly is mind body connection. And when we have our, you know, folks who have depression and anxiety, you know, it is important to tap in all those areas and spirituality, you know, is just as important as physical, you know, it's not just like taking a walk, you know, what is, where do you find meaning in life, you know? And I can imagine those people that are in crisis, like, you know, because all of those areas I'm sure are injured and broken, you know, at that time. And so how does one like go about showing them the hope? Like, how do you go about showing them hope during those moments? You know? Yeah. 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 I, uh, to tell you one of my stories, I was called into, uh, the emergency room one night and, uh, I had been informed from the call that I got uh, that this little eight-month-old baby had drowned in a pond back behind their parents' um, home. And so I rushed to the hospital, and there were people all over the place, and some were sitting on a little uh, brick wall there. And I walked by. Uh, this one lady and she reached out and she grabbed my arm Mm. and, and she looked up at me in desperation and she said, is my baby dead? Mm. Well, I had been told that the child was dead, but that was by an administrator. And so I went on into the emergency room. And so there's the, the little baby on the gurney uh, there was a doctor standing off to the side that didn't know what to do. 
there was a nurse over here in the corner of the emergency room uh, just just weeping. And so, um, you know, I, I interacted with them a little bit and I said, you know, you only have two emergency rooms here. We're going to have to probably move toward uh, getting the child out of here and everything. And I said, so let's do this. And so I brought mom and dad in and they just grabbed that little baby and they were down on the floor and you could just hear them all through the hospital. And so um, I, I got to a point where I just knelt down beside them mm. and I said to them, we're going to have to leave the emergency room here in a little bit. And I said, this is what I want you to do. I said, in a few minutes, and I was holding her hands, and I said, in a few minutes, I want you, and I called the baby's name, I want you to place the little baby in my arms. And I said, I'm going to have a word of prayer with you. And so I said that prayer, and they just handed the little baby up to me. And I walked over to the doctor who had a stunned look on his face and I laid the little baby uh, in the arms of the doctor and I went over and I held my hands down and mom and dad took my hands and we walked out of uh, the emergency room. Now, all of us in healthcare should understand that a person is spiritual, mental, emotional, social, and physical. But why is it that we're so weak when it comes to the spiritual component? You know, um, what what happened in that emergency room with that mom and dad? There there was something spiritual there that that gave them the strength to hand their little baby into my arms. That is, that is powerful. I'm speechless. That is just, um, yeah, that is powerful. That is, that was, yeah, that was their spiritual oxygen for the moment, wasn't it? It was. I love yeah. that. I just, wow. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that story all night, all week. Gosh. Well, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know them. That was the first time I had ever met them. So yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't on my personality or anything. There yeah. was something inward that happened there in that in that moment. Yeah. So let me ask you a last a last couple of questions. Do you think it's a training issue that people just like we don't have enough training in healthcare for providers, counselors, staff members? Like, is it like, do we need to have more experiences before we, like, what is it? Why, what is it that we're missing? Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to one of the things that we were talking about a while ago, where, where one, we need to start out doing our own spiritual assessment and, uh, and growing, uh, growing in the years that we need to grow in personally. You know, uh, one of the things that, I've talked about it is, you know, each time I do these presentations, uh, there's there's always a real strong kickback to the word 
religion. Well, one of the things that I point out is that, uh, you know, uh, every form of spirituality, uh, uh, forms of meditation, you know, mindfulness and all this, you could actually say 12 steps, you know, you could actually say that they have a religious component to them because mm -hmm. they're helping people understand yeah. how to practice mindfulness, how to practice this, yeah. how to do this. But at the same time, uh, it's not a mechanical thing. So I, I think for those in school, uh, they they need to have uh, some some experiential stuff going on. And, and maybe even if they're Christian, maybe they need to uh, practice yoga or uh, go to someone that uh, is Hindu or, 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 you know, and gain a, a wealth of knowledge about these different forms. But then for somebody to come back and ask them, okay, what's the spiritual connect point? You know, mm -hmm. so it, I think it's more than just learning, uh, you know, like I always share this little uh, little piece that's available for anyone that likes to go and find it. And it'll give the tenets of all of the different systems, Hindu, Buddhism, et cetera, et cetera, what their practices are and what their beliefs are. And I think it's good to have that kind of knowledge uh, because like with, um, with, with the Hindu tradition, uh, there's certain things that's very meaningful, like for if a person is dying for their family member to be there with them. So instead of a doctor and all the nurses uh, pushing family out of the room to understand that this is a component of their spirituality that is very meaningful. Yeah. So, you know, kind of a working knowledge, but, uh, you know, in a situation like that, to be able to go and sit down uh, with a mother whose son died and listen to that mother talk about the spiritual meaning mm. of being there in the room when her son died. Ugh. That is so, so true. That is so, so powerful, man. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jack Perkins. I appreciate your time. This conversation is so deep and so touching. And I feel like I am now getting back to more of my spirituality, you know, because I've had those huge shifts and now I've kind of been back to just working every day and, you know, you know, looking at my own like feelings and reactions, but getting more back into that spiritual side of myself, um, you know, so it's, it's daily practice, you know, and sometimes you forget and you're doing your back into your own zone again, but you, you've inspired me once again. And I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us and, and talking about the importance of spirituality, the way the words, the way you put it, because it's hard for me. I talk about, Oh, feathers and numbers and birds and nature and, you know, and, and crystals and stones and, and the meaning of this and that, you know, but the way you, you just wove this like poetic story about spirituality that people can understand and people can experience. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy it. Okay, great. Thank you.
Thank you to all the listeners of How Coronavirus Saved My Life podcast. If you want to know more about me and hear crazy family stories, hop on over to the podcast I make with my sister. It's called The Family Burrito. My sister, Jesse and I made the podcast after our dad died in March of 2021. We did it as a way to heal our childhood wounds. Now we are healing and now we're having a good time. So if you want to hear more stories, crazy sense of humor, and get to know my personality a little bit better, hop on over to The Family Burrito anywhere you get your podcast streaming.